with that. Uh, we've got uh, Pastor Andrew. Um, he's over our youth department, uh, but he's over, he does a lot more than that. He's really a, a leader in this church and just uh, a great man of God, has such a heart for God. And uh, so uh, he's kicking off a new series and um, I'm going to bring him up now. And so with that, let's give it up for Pastor Andrew. Excellent. Well, good morning, church. I'm so excited uh, to get to teach this morning. I want to pause and take just a moment to thank Pastor JR specifically for uh, opening up the pulpit uh, to some of the other pastors on, on staff during the summer and specifically in July of this year. You'll get to hear from a, a few of us. Um, and so we want to say thank you, Pastor JR. Pastor JR is, is so incredible. He does an, a great job of leading the church and has been doing so longer than I've been alive. And so for him to open up, and that's, and that's not a... a, a I don't mean that as a knock against your age because Pastor JR could still beat me in a wrestling match. Um, but, but I am so honored. Uh, he has more ministry experience than I have life experience and for him to open up the pulpit to me uh, means a lot. And so I, I appreciate that and I thank you. Um, this morning, like um, Mike said, I, I am getting the opportunity to kick off a new sermon series. Uh, we're gonna be talking about um, icebergs and that may sound a little strange, but we'll get into it and it'll make some more sense in just a little bit. Uh, I hope that you guys had a wonderful 4th of July. Uh, my wife Luna and I got to go away. We did some camping over the holiday weekend and we had a great time. But while I was both like preparing for the weekend, packing up all the different things and taking the drive out to the mountains, I was reminded uh, just how impatient I am. Uh, different things would come up and you know we're running behind on time and we're getting a late start and then we're hitting holiday traffic. And it was one thing after another and I was reminded just how impatient I am. Are, are any of you still working on some of your, your patience? I hope I'm, okay, good. I'm not the only one. I'm in good company this morning. Well, I think uh, the Lord was reminding me some things. And, and as I was driving, I sort of put together this, this list of like my top five worst waiting moments. Um, and coming in at the bottom of my list on number five is, is waiting in line for the bathroom. And that sounds strange, but as we were driving out there, we, we went with another couple and they wanted to pick a place that wouldn't be very crowded. Um, they figured if, if we wanted to see a bunch of crowds, we'd just try to head up Founders Boulevard and uh, like three o'clock in the afternoon. And so they're like, we don't want to do that. So, so they picked a place that was like way out in the mountains. We went out towards like the Lake City area. If you guys are familiar, it's way out west and it took forever to drive. So periodically along the stop, I'd be admiring nature out the window and I would think like nature is beginning to call to me and I would have to like find a city with a, a nice clean restroom and I'd want to stop. But usually by time those come across, like, you know, you've been needing to see a stop for a while and, and you run inside and there's a line. And that is one of my least favorite waiting moments because right when you think like, you know, your uh, salvation is coming and you're opening up these doors and then there's just a line of people and now you're having to dance and, and wait. And so at the bottom of my list, waiting in lines for bathroom is my, like, I'm very impatient and I don't like waiting. Coming in number four on my list is being stuck in, stuck in traffic. Hitting that holiday traffic or the Meadows traffic or any sort of traffic that you hit is always the worst. I remember being in high school and I was driving on the interstate in Texas where I grew up and I had just passed uh, one exit and the next exit was about a mile away when all of a sudden like traffic just sort of crawls to a stop. 
And I'm looking around. I'm like, why are we stopped? Like, there's an interstate. There are no streetlights. Like, let's keep moving, guys. Just the right one is gas. The left one is brake. Let's do it. And, um, and everything stopped. And it wasn't just slow. It was a dead stop. And there's cars everywhere. And so after a while, everyone realized, like, okay, we're not going anywhere. So slowly, like, the engines start shutting off and the whispers start of like, do you know what's happening? And everyone's like, no, I don't know what's happening. But we're all telling our side of the story, like it's helping. Like, well, I was in the left lane when it started to slow down. And I thought maybe if I got to the right lane, but no, it was stopped there too. And, and so we're exchanging stories, standing around the cars. It turned out, a, for those of you who are curious, a semi had overturned. And so we were just gridlocked, stuck. We, had, we were already past the last exit and we couldn't get to the front exit. And so we were just stuck there. It was like two hours before they finally got it cleared and opened up. And I just had to wait. And I hated waiting and I was so impatient. Number three on my list is waiting for a special day. Uh, this was the worst when I was a child. Waiting for Christmas or waiting for the last day of school felt like it was going to take forever. Waiting for that last day of school, you start the countdown like months ahead, especially senior year, like senioritis sort of kicks in and it's like the first week of school and you're like, okay, only... X amount of days left, and you're counting it down. And the same with Christmas. My parents were really great about it. They could tell that it was killing me to wait for Christmas. So they did a little like advent calendar where like every day I'd get a candy. And so like I'd wake up early and it was like way too early for candy, but I'd run to the advent calendar and I'd be like, only 20 days left. And then I'd eat like a Snickers and it would make me feel better. And I hated waiting. I really didn't enjoy it. My second least favorite, number two on my list of, of worst waiting moments is slow internet. I've grown up in a digital age. I know you guys were probably expecting something like significant. Slow internet, it's just the worst. So uh, I've grown up in a digital age and I'm always super connected, whether it's my phone or whatever. I mean, like every place you go has Wi-Fi. But the problem is whether it's like spotty signal in the mountains or like cheap motel Wi-Fi, if it's slow, like I just like, oh, it like sucks the life out of me. And... And I know I should be grateful because a technology that has only like recently been developed that thousands of generations existed without it. And you know, it's going from my hand to space and it's carrying like all of the culmination of wisdom of the universe. And, and I use it to see like funny pictures of cats. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, if it's not happening fast enough, I get upset and I get impatient because I don't like waiting. Some of you can, can relate. But my least favorite waiting moments, the, the worst I think, is when I order something shiny and new online and it's being shipped to me. Yeah, some of you know. And I'm looking at the tracking and I'm waking up and I'm like, okay, it'll be here tomorrow. And I get so excited. Then tomorrow comes and I wake up and I look and it says, on truck for delivery, expected by 8 p.m. today. And I think, oh no, it's only 6 a.m. That, that is a 14 hour window of delivery. It is the only thing worse than the cable company when you call and you schedule them and they're like, we'll be there sometime tomorrow. A 14 hour window is the worst. And, and what's even, what makes a bad thing even worse is I have to sign for these packages. And so I know I could just like stick the note on the door and it would come that way, but I, I wanna be there, I wanna receive it. And so it means the whole day is just shot. I can't do any errands. I can't take the dog for a walk. I'm not even sure I can jump in the shower because the, the doorbell might ring and I'll be covered in soap and like not decent and I can't answer the door. And then it won't, and then, you know, if it's the weekend, I don't get it till Monday. And it's, it's awful. I, I really, really 
hate waiting. And this weekend, especially, the Lord was showing me, like, I'm still growing in patience, and he's still working on that. But some of you might be in a similar boat where you hate waiting. Waiting is just the worst. Like, why should we have to? It's a fast culture. We, like, microwave our Pop-Tarts and fast food, and, like, we just, there's no reason to wait. We've earned that. But despite that, some of us will spend our whole lives waiting, and not necessarily waiting on traffic or waiting for a package or even slow internet. Some of us will spend our whole lives waiting for our life to get better, waiting for a situation to change, or in some cases, just waiting to get to heaven, hoping that that will make things better. But this morning, as I, as I start a series um, called The Tale of Two Gospels, or start a message entitled The Tale of Two Gospels, I want to talk about two different perspectives. The first perspective being uh, the gospel of salvation. That's the good news that Jesus died for my sins and I get to go to heaven. And that is awesome. Like we could just stop the message here, bring the worship team back up and just praise God the rest of the service because that is a good message. But the problem with it is you have to wait for it. It's, it's all about the afterlife. And if that's all that Christianity is, then that means that, like your whole life is just spent like waiting for this one thing, for, for things to get better, waiting for this afterlife to happen. That's going to be awesome. Waiting for paradise. And I don't like waiting. I don't, I don't have the patience for it. The second gospel, gospel being good news, is the good news of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God says that instead of waiting for me to go to heaven, I'm going to bring heaven to earth every day. I'm not gonna wait until I'm dead to get to spend time with God. I'm gonna bring heaven to earth. And and that's the message that uh, I'm so excited to get to share with you all this morning. Uh, If you wanna turn in your Bibles, go ahead and flip to Luke chapter four and just sort of hold a spot there. I'm gonna give some backstory and I'm gonna explain a little bit. Luke chapter four. You see, this, uh, this message was birthed in some of my quiet time. I was reading, and I'm, I'm going through one of the YouVersion Bible plans. If you've got a smartphone, check out YouVersion. They're great. And they've got this Bible plan for me, and I'm reading along through it. And Holy Spirit prompts me one morning, and he asks, like, when did I, when did I start talking about heaven? like in the Bible. And so I'm reading the Bible and I'm thinking like, oh, I don't know. And I'm going through some of the Old Testament and going through some of the New Testament. And I'm realizing that in a lot of evangelical Christianity, we preach that Jesus died for your sins. And that's true. And that's good. And that's great. Like I mentioned, like we could celebrate that all day. But when Jesus was teaching, like as I'm reading through the gospels and I'm reading what he's teaching, he didn't teach, I died for your sins. He teach that the kingdom of God was near. And so this, uh, this prompted me on sort of a journey of like reading and exploring and learning of like, okay, well, what's, what's the difference? You have to understand Jesus was born and sort of lived his life and did whatever. When he was about 30, scholars believe, he started his public ministry. He got his entourage, the disciples, and they went out and they preached. Um, He did that until he was about 33. And then he died, was buried, resurrected, came back, appeared a few more times, and then went back to heaven. So the bulk of his ministry was before he died. So it's really hard for him to go about teaching, I died for your sins, if he hasn't yet died. And so that's where I really began to like, okay, well, what is this kingdom of God? If it's not just that Jesus died for our, our sins, what more is there to this life? And this is um, the basis or, or part of the, the thought behind the series that we're in called The Iceberg. Um, because going to heaven is really just the tip of the iceberg in Christianity. If that's all we're, we're living for, if that's just what we're waiting for, then that's like, a, it's weak. It's just the tip of it. And there's so much more to this Christian life that we have yet to explore. Um, next week, Pastor Lindy's going to be talking. Uh, the week after that, we've got an incredible guest speaker. And Pastor Ryan is going to close out the series in July. And, and all of us will be chipping away at this, this idea of, of there's more 
to it than, than sometimes what we've, what we've lived or what we've experienced. There's so much more to it. And so we're excited about that. If you're in Luke 4, let me begin to paint the picture for you of this. Um, Jesus is, is now around 30 years old. He's about to launch into his public ministry. He's met with John the Baptist and John has baptized him. And now he's coming back out of the wilderness and he's going to his hometown. He's about to visit the, we'll call it a church, a synagogue technically, where he grew up, uh, the place of his childhood home. And there they've got this, this culture, this pattern, this way of doing things where the attendant would hand the person who's reading the scroll and that person would like read the scroll and they'd read the scriptures together and they would celebrate God and then they'd go home and, and they'd eat like we do. Um, and so this is about where we pick up this story in Luke chapter four, verse 16 through 21 is the passage we're going to be reading. So Luke chapter four, verse 16, it says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, he being Jesus, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So he volunteers. He said, hey, I'll read today. And they're like, okay, great. And so they hand this to him. They know Jesus. They're familiar with Jesus. He's the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Uh, their family isn't spectacular or anything well-to-do, but he's got a trade and, and they know that. And so they see him and they're like, yeah, here, why don't you read this? It continues in verse 17. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. And now Jesus begins to read. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He then rolls the scroll back up, hands it to the attendant and sits back down and everyone in the synagogue stares at him intently. They want to know like, okay, what's, what's next? Because he didn't do a long reading. He didn't stand up there and read until someone fell asleep and then like kicked their chair and then like kept reading. He, it was short. It was just a little bit. And then he sits down and everyone's wondering like, okay, what's next? And then he says, he speaks again and he says this, verse 21. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now this is, this is incredible for the, for the culture and the context of, of what's going on. Jesus is addressing a bunch of uh, Jewish people in the Jewish synagogue and he's reading out of what we know of uh, as Isaiah 61. And he's reading it and it is this prophetic promise of what God wanted to do but hadn't done yet. And so they've been reading this promise for, for hundreds of years. And, and every time they read it, they're like, oh man, that'll be nice when that happens. And finally, Jesus stands up, he reads it, and he says, this has been fulfilled today. The promises of God are being released. Now, this is what we begin to see is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't just salvation. It's not just this idea of, of fire insurance. Uh, are you guys with me on that? Where it's like, you've been saved, saved from what? Saved from hell. And it's like, oh, when I die, I don't have to go here. Uh, and some people like, they re-up their fire insurance by going to, going to a church at Christmas and Easter. And they're like, there's my, you know, there's my annual checkup, I'm good. But there is so much more to it. And so, and so Jesus begins to demonstrate this. He now leaves from here. Um, a little bit later in Luke 4, it says he, a crowd of people wants him to continue to stay there. And he's like, no, I have to go. I have to preach the kingdom of God. And he does, he goes on. But we see, as we compare Luke 61 and, or Luke 4 and, and Isaiah 61, as we're looking at these, we're seeing that the kingdom of God is good news for the poor. It's this idea of hope and joy. It's not just waiting for someday when you die, but it's hope and joy for today. We see that it's captives will be released. We see it's freedom, freedom from all different things. 
We see that it's the blind will see healing in every aspect. As Jesus goes on, he heals over and over and over again. For the next three years, every town he's going into, he heals all the sick. All the, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, uh, the people who couldn't walk can now walk again. And so Jesus is demonstrating, not only teaching about, but he's demonstrating the kingdom of God that it involves healing. It continues on, and in this passage, Luke 4 and Isaiah 61, it says the oppressed will be set free. There's deliverance. People who had addictions and were bound to different things, deliverance now, all of a sudden, freedom, because the kingdom of heaven is being advanced. And then my favorite, the last one that it says in in that passage, it says, the Lord's favor. Before Jesus came, uh, the wrath of God was a real thing. Um, God was like eliminating entire people groups, wiping whole nations off of the map. People were dying for not regarding him as holy enough. And that was sort of a scary time to live. But since Jesus, all the wrath of God was satisfied at the cross. And now every day, God is in a good mood. On our worst days, when we've behaved the worst, when we're not even happy with ourselves, God still looks at us and says, I'm in the best mood. I love you. This is awesome. Like, let's keep rolling. Let's keep doing life. And it's so, it's such a huge shift and it's so different. And I'm so excited to get to live in that, in that time. But again, we're, we're met with these two different perspectives. We can either live our lives just in waiting. Uh, and if you're impatient like me, that does not sound great. You can live your life just waiting to someday life will get better when we go to heaven and it's paradise and it's awesome. Or you can begin to engage in this idea of the kingdom of heaven and you can live in it and you can bring heaven down to earth every day. The children's ministry and the youth ministry have been working really hard to do this lately with our young people. Um, for young people, it is very, very difficult to sell them on this idea of, of going to heaven when they die because they are so far removed from the end of their life that they have no real concept of their mortality. Um, I, work with, I work with some high school boys that look at tall things and they think, I could jump off that. And adults would be like, no, like, why would I do that? That's awful. And that's because like, you're rational and you're sane and they're not quite there yet. (laughs) And so when we're working with the children and when we're working with the youth, we're trying to teach them these principles of the kingdom of heaven, that they can pray for people and see them healed because of Jesus, that they can uh, pray for people who are depressed and see them filled with joy. We're teaching them those things, but we're also just trying to keep them alive. We take them to summer camp in July and half of the time we're there, it's, hey, get off of that. Like, hey, don't throw that. Like, please don't eat that and don't touch those live wires. (laughs) And if you're interested in helping out with that, we'd love your help. We'd love your help. But you saw it two weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Kurt preached and he had an incredible story of healing, um, of bringing heaven to earth, not just waiting like, oh, well, I'll feel better when I die and go to heaven bringing heaven to earth for his situation then and now. Um, and our children brought, came in and they had words of knowledge. They had been praying for the congregation, praying for, for everyone in those seats saying, God, what do you want to do in their life? And they were bringing heaven to earth. It's hard to sell a, a 12-year-old on something that they won't get to cash in on until they die at like 80. But to tell them, hey, you can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth now, not just for yourself, but for your friends and for your family, for your community. That's something they can grab a hold of. And my hope this morning is that you can grab a hold of it too because it's such a more fulfilling way to live. Uh, Pastor Carla mentioned it in the video and she stole it from my notes. But in John 10, 10, Jesus is describing, he's describing his purpose. And he talks about how the enemy came and he wants to steal and kill and destroy things. But Jesus came so that we can have life to its fullest. So we can have a rich and abundant life. 
And that's the kind of life I want to sign up for. I don't want to sign up for something where I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting for a someday. I want to sign up for something that I can be a part of now, that can make a change in my life and a change in my family's life and a change in my coworkers and in my community and in my neighbors. That's the kind of life I want to sign up for. So how we're going to, how we're going to do today, um, our ushers are going to get ready and they're going to start passing uh, communion elements. And what I want you to do is when those get passed by, I want you to just hold on to them. Um, communion is a, is a beautiful and special thing. It, it resembles, and it's meant to be a reminder of what Jesus did with the disciples at the Last Supper. He knew he was about to go to the cross and he was going to die. So he brought his, his entourage in, he brought his boys in, and he said, all right, guys, listen up. We're about to switch things. They'd been living under an old covenant, an old way of doing things, an old agreement that was made with God, and it was based on rules and performance. And Jesus said, I want to bring a new way of doing things, where it's based on relationship, not on rules, where it's based on, on love and not, not religion. He said, I want to do a new thing. And so I'm going to establish a new covenant. And the way that a covenant was made back then was it, it always required blood. And so Jesus had, had some bread and he had some wine and he passed the bread and he said, this is going to represent my body, which will be broken for you guys. And then he passed the cup and, and he said, and this wine will represent my blood, which will be spilt for you guys. And it'll establish the new covenant. So our our ushers are going to begin to pass the elements. Just hold on to those. We're going to, in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to receive those um, yeah, ushers, you can go ahead and begin passing those. Thank you so much. Um, but what we're going to do this morning is we're going, to, we're going to make a new covenant in our hearts. And we're going to use the communion elements to do that. Perhaps you signed up, um, like, like myself, where you signed up in, a, in an age where you're like, okay, yeah, like I don't want to go to hell. That sounds awful. I remember being a kid and like a pastor talked about how awful hell was. And I was like, yeah, I lived in Texas. And when he said it was hotter than Texas, I thought, I don't want it. I don't want it. That's not for me. And so maybe you got roped into a situation like that where you're like, fire insurance sounds great. Yeah, like paradise sounds awesome. Why wouldn't I do that? But there is so much more. Like I mentioned, that is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more that God has for you. And this isn't supposed to be a message of condemnation, like you aren't doing your part. That's not it at all. It's the fact that I don't want you to live a life without purpose. I don't want you to live a life without joy. I don't want you to live a life without healing or access to God's power. I want you to live a life that is full and abundant because that's what Jesus offers. And so as we re-up this covenant, maybe you, maybe you signed up like me and you had just signed up for the fire insurance and you're thinking, you know what? I want the full package now. We're gonna get a chance to make a covenant. And if you've been in a place where like, maybe you're new to God, maybe you don't know anything about this, but this sounds great, we wanna invite you to be a part of it as well. If you have questions afterwards, we'll be around and we'd love to talk and help walk you through this process. After we take communion this morning, we're gonna invite the children in again. They've been praying as well in this service and they wanna to begin to pray for you. Uh, Pastor Jenny and Jordan, they're gonna come in and they're gonna help facilitate that, but they'll have some things that God has spoken to the children about some of you that's meant to encourage and to build you up. Things that they can pray for you, things that maybe they might be hurting you, maybe you have a pain somewhere, the children are gonna know about it and they're gonna invite you up so that they can pray for you because God wants, wants you to be healed this morning. He's in a great mood and he's excited to do some awesome things in our church. So this is where we're at. You have an opportunity now where as you begin to walk in the kingdom of God, as you begin to shift your thinking from, okay, I'm not just waiting till I get to go to heaven, but I'm gonna bring, I'm going to begin to bring heaven to earth for myself and my friends and my family. There's also some very practical steps you can take. We have some incredible ministries here at the church. I already uh, openly pandered to the youth said, you can sign up with us. The children always need mothers and fathers that can speak identity into children. But we also have youth, uh, or sorry, college and young adults. 
We've also got the uh, greeter team. I mean, imagine what's better than walking into an environment. You get a, a nice smile and a firm handshake and also a word from the Lord. Like that would be awesome. I would love that our church would be known for that. So if you wanna bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, sign up and be a part of our greeters or our ushers or welcome team. You can be a home group leader and you can facilitate a group discussions in your home where you're, where you're teaching, okay, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like and you're learning together. There's so many different opportunities that we can get involved. We've got ministry teams and altar workers that you can sign up and you can be a part. You can go through the training and, and work with them. Pastor Mike had mentioned our Connect Guide. There are so many different opportunities for you to begin to practically walk this out and do it in an environment where it's okay to learn together. None of us have this thing all figured out. We're still learning it as we go. And we wanna invite you on that journey. A few of the elements are still being passed out. Go ahead and hold on to those and we're gonna take those together. I appreciate you letting me share my heart and some of my journey and what God's been showing me and I hope that it helps you. I'm so impatient and, and I don't like waiting and I did not wanna sign up for something that just had me waiting for the rest of my life. I'm excited to get to be part of something that I can invest in every day. And I can invest in the people and the generations that come after me. And I can be a part of a legacy of bringing heaven down to earth every day. I wanna give you a moment to reflect of where you're at as you've gotten your communion elements now. I want you to have a moment with God heart to heart with him. Okay, Lord, where am I at? Am I just waiting? Am I just living every day kind of for myself, just waiting for my salvation? Or am I tapped into your fullness? Am I tapped into your joy and your love and your goodness? And am I able to release that to the people around me? Father God, we thank you for the incredible sacrifice that you made by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us. We thank you that you paid the ultimate price that we couldn't afford to pay, not just for our salvation, but so that we could have life in abundance. Lord, we pray that you would move in our hearts and show us ways, build passions in us of where we can begin to serve your body, to love on others, to help bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and establish it today, here and now. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. If you've received your communion, go ahead and take the bread together and hold on the drink for just a second. We're gonna take the body, take the bread. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was spilled as you sat with your disciples, as you sat with your boys. You said, hey, this, is, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you and it'll bring in a new covenant. Lord, we thank you that we get to live in that new covenant. We thank you that that new covenant opens up healing and life and joy. Lord, we receive that and we step into that and we say, Lord, we want the fullness of our destiny. We don't want to just spend our lives waiting. We appreciate what you've done and we're excited to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, go ahead and receive that cup together. Amen. We're so excited to build and to celebrate the kingdom of God here. We're gonna stand and we're gonna sing another worship song. Pastor Aaron and the team are gonna lead us. And then after they're finished, we're gonna bring the children in and they're gonna to begin to demonstrate the kingdom of God this morning. 
And we're so excited for that. So stand with us and worship together. Oh, hey. 